All right, man, it is so good to see you guys this morning, and you are in a series on family vacation, and what a great thing to be in here in the summer, right? We all look forward to those family vacations. Now, sometimes that family vacation is like this grand thing, right? Might be a cruise, might be going to a beach house or renting a lake house, but oftentimes, whether it's a grand thing like that or maybe even a staycation in your own house, in your own town, your own community, oftentimes when we think of family vacation, there is a common denominator, whether it's grand and great or whether it's just kind of simple and around home and around the familiar, and that common denominator is often water, right? It might be that you just have a, a blow-up pool in the backyard, and man, when it's so hot like it's been, you get to hang out and kind of float around and see the kids play in that water, or maybe they're at the ocean and getting up early and, and seeing the reflection of the, of the sunrise on the ocean waves, maybe at the lake and getting up early or going out late and hearing the sound of the, of the real winding as you pull in that great fish that you've caught. There's something about vacation and water that's so powerful. So this morning, as we continue in that series called Family Vacation, I want to spend a few moments thinking about reflections. Reflections. Because again, if you're around water, you know there's going to be reflections. Now sometimes the reflection in the water may be of your smile or the smile of your kids or your grandkids. Sometimes the reflection on the water is the beautiful blue sky that's reflecting back to you. These reflections that happen that, that oftentimes make us pause for a few moments and make us kind of pay attention, there's, there's something powerful about that. And there's a verse in Proverbs chapter number 27 where we'll be for just a few moments this morning. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 19 says this, As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. Now again, look, look again at the text. As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. You see, in this series called Family Vacation, what Pastor Derek is doing is he's going through the Proverbs and making the correlation between so many of these great statements of wisdom and the experiences that we have in the summer. Because, see, we have to be reminded God's Word is not only historically true and theologically true and practically true and historically true and medically true and scientifically true, but God's Word is personally true that we meet ourselves in the Word of God. And so as you're, as you're thinking about these experiences of summer, I hope that as you look at God's Word that you are reminded that the greatest place of joy is not even the best summer vacation. The greatest source of joy is not even the family that you laugh together and that you love so deeply, that the greatest source of joy is in fact God himself. And I love this verse here in Proverbs 27 because we live in northeast Georgia, in Toccoa, Georgia, which is right on the, the border of South Carolina. We have Lake Hartwell there, so we love to go out on our boat and, and spend time there on the lake. We like to, to water ski in the tube, and sometimes the, the, one of the favorite things we do is to take a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and go out to a cove and throw the anchor out and turn the engine off and just kind of eat lunch and hang out there and hear the water hitting against the boat and we'll get in the water sometimes and float around and, and, and to see the, the reflection and to see the, the beauty of that moment. And so this morning, I want us to dive into this verse, Proverbs 27, 19. Because I believe that in this verse, there are some powerful reminders as we experience reflections as we're around water on our family vacations this summer. In fact, there's some who may be watching us right now, and even as we're talking about water, you're looking out your condo window at the ocean. We're not going to be resentful of you toward that, but you enjoy that. 
There's some of you that may watch this message later and you missed it this morning. You're going to have to tune in later because you're at the lake. That's okay. We're not mad. Hope you have a good time. Hope your air doesn't break. No, just kidding. But here, <laughs> here's the thing. It's amazing how this one little verse has two powerful principles that can help us this morning and that remind us, again, not just of those moments of reflection, but remind us of how God wants to work in our life. Notice the first part of verse number 19 in Proverbs 27. The Scripture says, As water reflects the face. Now, that's a beautiful thing. I, I know there have been times when we've had our son and daughter there on the boat, and maybe we've been tubing, or we're just floating on the, on, with a life jacket and a pool noodle there in the lake, and, and you can see their little smiles reflecting, and sometimes you know what it looks like. Their, their face gets a little sunburned, and, and, and you can see kind of that, that smile standing out. You can see the, the redness coming, and it's a beautiful thing, but the reality is the reflections off the water are beautiful, but they're not always entirely accurate. You ever notice that? The, the, the reality is when you look at a reflection in water, it is a reverse image. So, so the first thing we know is that that reflection is not always completely accurate because it is a reverse of what we see, and we also know that any movement on the water's surface does what? It, it distorts. It makes the image even more distorted. So it's interesting that this fir first part of this Proverbs 27, 19 says, as the water reflects the face. So there is this inspiration, there is this reflection, but it's imperfect. That's the first principle I want you to see is simply what I call imperfect inspiration. Because again, reflections on water, whether the ocean, whether the lake, whether the, the nice pool that's in the ground or, or the little small pool. We have a little dog and our, our, our daughter bought this little pool at Walmart for like $8, just a little bitty plastic pool. And, and Annabelle, our little dog, loves to get in that pool. So we'll put water in the pool, put it on the deck. And, and, you know, but, and even that little pool, there's still a reflection. But even as beautiful as those reflections are, they're imperfect. They're inspiring, but yet they're imperfect. And notice what the proverb says. It says, as the water reflects what? The face. And see, the reality is sometimes the reflection of our face is imperfect. You know what I'm talking about. In the same way the surface of water only reflects the surface there of what it sees, so likewise the surface of water reflecting only what it is, so our face is the surface of us. And sometimes our face can be telling. Sometimes we're trying to hold in the sorrow, but yet even as we're saying, oh, I'm okay, and yet our eyes are red and maybe our, our mouth is quivering, but oftentimes we work hard to let our face reflect what we intend, not necessarily what is real. You with me? How many times have we put on the game face? <laughs> How many times, maybe even this morning, maybe you're going through a difficult time in your life. Maybe it's physically or maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's financially, maybe spiritually. Maybe you just kind of feel like you're in a, fun in a funk. But as people greeted you this morning and you came in, good morning, good morning. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> you see, sometimes the reflection of our face, though it may look beautiful, it's imperfect. <laughs> and even though it may look like oh, they're doing great, in fact, it's hiding some brokenness it's hiding some sorrow you know we work hard to control that reflection because here's the thing we know that the reflection of our face can make us or break us we know there are certain people that that we don't want them to see the crack in our smile there are certain people that that we want to come across a certain way to but isn't it interesting that in the contrast to this verse there's the water reflecting the face which again is beautiful it's inspiring, but it may be imperfect. But the second part of Proverbs 27, 19 says, so the heart 
reflects the person. Did you catch the contrast? The first part, so as water reflects the face, it's beautiful, it's inspiring, we love to see the smile, maybe it's ourself looking back, maybe it's the reflection of the blue sky, but yet there's something imperfect about it. It's a reverse image. There's something imperfect about it. If the water's surface is moving, the distortion is even greater, but yet then he says, but the heart reflects the person. So there is an imperfect reflection, but then there is a perfect reflection. The second principle is simply this, below the surface. So the first part is the surface, right? As water reflects the face, but then the second part, so the heart reflects the person. Now now think about this. The outward reflection of water is contrasted with the inward reflection of our heart. Now our default view of someone is what we see. We decide what we think about someone based on what we see. By their countenance, by their clothes, right? by their attitude, by maybe the company that they keep. We, we look at that outward stuff. We, we look at what we see, and we make a determination about that person oftentimes. And our default is to assume that because of what we see, we know that person. Our default view of someone is based on what we see. But here's the thing. God's view of us and of others is not based on what he sees that can be imperfect. No, it's based, listen, on what he knows. <laughs> on what he knows. In other words, the Lord sees below the surface. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, when Samuel had been told by God to go and anoint the king and that the king would be coming from the house of Jesse. And so they brought all the, the sons of Jesse, starting with the oldest, a man, they, and the descriptions are that they were, they were mighty men. They were good-looking men. They were, you're like, this, this dude, man, he looked like a king. That's got to be him. Oh, no, not, not him. Okay, there's going to be one even better. And, they kept, and finally they get to the end, and, Je- and, and Sam was like, man, I, I know I'm at the right place, but I had not found the man yet. God hasn't said it's the one yet. Do you have any? Well, I have David. He's the youngest. He's out keeping the sheep. I didn't even bring him in because, like, he don't really look like a king. He, he's not... He brought him in, and indeed it was David who was king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible. But listen, but the Lord sees the heart. Isn't that powerful? And I'm so thankful that God doesn't just see the surface. Because if God only knew what I showed him, He couldn't help me the way he's helped me because sometimes what God gives me is not what I think I need, it's what he knows I need. That sometimes what God does is not what I think God ought to do, it's what God does is what he ought to do because he knows what I don't know and he sees what I don't see and he knows what's ahead of me and he knows what's behind me and he knows what's beside me and I think I know it all and he's going, "Mm mm-mm, you don't know. And I'm thankful that God says, you don't know, but I do. And I will. You see, when we talk about below the surface, so the heart reflects the person. That's an interesting statement that the writer of Proverbs puts here. That as water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. The word heart in Scripture is a person's inner moral and spiritual life. It's the core of who we are. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Scripture says, Guard your heart above all other things, for it is the source of life. Isn't that interesting? Your heart the core. Now, it kind of makes sense that, that we know this practically, right? Because when it's Valentine's Day or, or when you've texted someone something really nice and, and we give the heart emoji. Now, we're not talking about the, the blood pumping vessel, right? 
which by the way, I was freaked out when I was, you know, in school and learned that the heart wasn't really that red heart, you know, it didn't look like that. <laughs> it's kind of gross looking. My brother's a surgeon and and he, he, he knows things of the inside the body and, and, and does surgery and does all that. And my, my daughter is a nursing student. She'll be a senior at Tacoa Falls College, does nursing stuff. And I'm the one that, you know, when I have to go and, like, they take my blood pressure. I'm like, okay, hang on, let me, okay, I'm going to pass out. Okay, I'm okay. And they're like, give me a break. My daughter, you know, she has to, to practice on different things. And so she had learned to do IVs. And she's like, Dad, you have great veins. I'm like, uh-uh-uh-uh, don't, don't talk about it. You're certainly not putting a needle to practice in my vein. Not going to happen. But isn't it interesting, though, that even though we know now medically about the heart, but practically we still, when we say to someone, I love you, we'll send a heart emoji. Valentine's cards, even Father's Day cards, the word heart, the, the symbol of the heart is there. And all the way back in Scripture, we see that here in Proverbs 27, 19, the heart reflects the person. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart. It is the source of life. And then listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. The heart is the core. So again, if we back up and look at this verse, Proverbs 27, 19, let's put that back on the screen again. Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. Now let that sink in. Because too often, church, where we spend our time is on the surface. Where we spend our time is on the imperfect inspiration of the face on the water. And again, that can be inspiring, it's just not enough. It can be encouraging, it's just sometimes inaccurate. But notice the second part again, so the heart reflects the person. That we've got to be willing for the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and even with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, to go below the surface to go past just what we see, to go past just what we think, and to dig into what God says and what God knows about me and about you so that together we can be the fullness of the body of Christ, the local church, together for his glory and for our good and for the sake of the gospel. So how do we do that? We're going to take a quick journey now. We're going to fast forward. We're in Proverbs 27. I want you to go with me over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 in the New Testament, the book of James, we're going to look at just a couple of verses, verses 23, 24, and 25, and I'm going, to, I'm going to land it by thinking about this. Okay, so if the heart is what's below the surface, if the heart is deeper than the reflection of the surface of the face, then how is it that we make certain that our heart reflects what it ought to reflect? Because again, Proverbs 27, 19 says that, that the face is reflected on the water, but that the heart reflects the person. So how do we make certain that our heart is reflecting what it ought to reflect? How do we make certain that if someone were to, to break through the surface, if someone were to go into the, the depths of our life, the depths of our mind, the depths of our soul, how do we make certain that it's where it ought to be and it's the way it ought to be? What the Scripture tells us here in James 20, chapter 1, verses 23 to 25. And listen to what the Scripture says. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. Isn't that interesting? So again, we're talking about a reflection. 
But unlike the imperfect reflection that we see on the surface of the water, the reflection that we find in God's Word is never imperfect. It's always perfect. It's never incomplete. It's always complete. It's never inaccurate. It is always accurate. So as we think about this, again, we're talking about reflections and we want to make certain that the reflection of our heart, the reflection of our core, the reflection of our soul is where it ought to be. So how do we make certain this is right? How, how do we do this? Well, the scripture tells us right here in James. So notice again, verses 23 and 24, he says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone, look at this, looking at his own face in the mirror, verse 24, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Now, there's some interesting things in this, in this passage, in these few verses. The first thing is simply this, that again, he's talking about looking at himself. See, often we want to go to Scripture and we want to spend more time on the reflection someone else has <laughs> than our own reflection. We want to, well, you know, they're not doing this. Well, their attitude is this. Well, their actions are this. Well, I can't believe. Did you hear? Did you know what I heard? Did you know what I saw? Do you know? But James says, yeah, it does reflect everyone, but the image we need to pay attention to, the reflection that matters most to us is not someone else, it's us. The Word of God reflects us for who we are. The Bible reflects our true self. Listen, we can lie to ourselves, we can see what we want to see in our own earthly reflections, but when we look intently in the mirror of God's Word, what we see is a true reflection. So the third principle as we're thinking about reflections is reliable reflection. God's Word gives us a reliable reflection. And you know, I was thinking, sometimes God's Word shows us what we don't want to see. Sometimes we think, man, I'm doing really good. Man, I'm at church, and the preacher's out, and the worship leader's out, and the youth are on a trip, and man, doggone, I'm here, Lord. It's your lucky day. I showed up for church, Lord. <laughs> But yet we look in the scripture and sometimes what God shows us is not that he's going, oh, wow, man, you are awesome. But he reflects to us an area of our life that we need to work on. Maybe our prayer life, maybe the sharing of our faith, maybe our generosity, maybe our compassion. And so sometimes like the, the water reflects a beautiful image, but there's a, a reverse to it that sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes what we see in scripture, we go thinking God's gonna say, man, you're awesome. And instead God says, you know, I have even better for you. <laughs> You're not awesome. I have even more I want to do in your life. But it's interesting because no matter what we see, it is a reliable reflection. But notice, even though there's a reflection, there's a responsibility. Because Look again at the text. It says, like someone who's looking at his own face in the mirror, verse 24, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So it's not enough just to see the reliable reflection. We've got to act on what we see. Did you catch that? That's, that's what James, that whole section of James 1 is about, about not just being a hearer, but being a doer. And I don't know about you, but I'm really good at listening, and I'm really good sometimes at agreeing, and I'm really good at going, man, that was good. But where I fall short sometimes is, okay, so what am I going to do with it? For a long time, I, I had struggled with my weight, and when God called me to preach, I was 13 years old, and, and from that time on, I, I, I've always just kind of, even before that, I've, I've struggled with my weight some, and, and, and I knew I should work out, I knew I should eat better, I knew, and, and I, you know, I had a gym membership for a while, I would go to the gym and talk to everyone and leave, and man, I was tired, well, I was worn out from talking, but I didn't do any exercise, but I was tired. <laughs> so finally, several years ago, I, I have diabetes, and 
was having some, some, trying to avoid some complications with that. So my pharmacist, as I go to get my prescription and they've added something else and increase it, he's like, man, you should come work out with us. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I should. And he's like, yeah, we work out at my house in the basement, just a few of us guys. And man, we, you know, we, we just, it's, it's, you know, we just get in there and get it done. And now I should have been, okay, this, tell, this will let you know, I'm not the sharpest pencil sometimes. Because I'm thinking, yeah, that'd be great. You know, go with these guys, you know. Do, he, he says we're only there like 45 minutes or so. Can't be that hard. And if I had just stopped and thought for a moment, Clint looks like an action figure. <laughs> okay, he's like, boom. You know, he's got abs where you shouldn't have abs. And he's just like, you know, he's like, he doesn't look real. <laughs> I should have been smart enough to think, you know, they probably, that's probably not where I should start. But instead, I was like, yeah, man, that'd be great. Yeah, when y'all do it? Well, then he tells me, you know, 5.15 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh, I thought there was only one 5.30 of the day in the afternoon. So I'm like, okay, I'll be there. Well, his wife is good friends with my wife, and so she texts Melissa and is like, so apparently Andy's going to come work out with Clinton, those guys? LOL. I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. That's been several years ago. How long has it been? Ten years maybe? And I'm telling you, the first few times I went, and, and I'm looking at the board, and they got all this, and I'm thinking, I don't even know what those words mean. A burpee? I mean, that's kind of gross. Why are we going to be burping? I, I didn't know what that was, you know, and some of y'all still don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I would do one, but I won't. But and so, so then, and then like sit-ups, you know, 100 sit-ups. I'm like, man, 100 sit-ups, that's a lot. And then I realized, oh, there's like five sets of that. <laughs> so I realized that what I thought was, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm healthy, I'm young, I'm, you know, I'll be all right. No. Below the surface, my body was not healthy. And there were times when, man, I was hurting. There were times when it was so tough, it was so hard. But yet I realized that what I had been doing was exactly what James talks about and warns against in verse 24. He looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he is. The word there for looks is an entry, it means a quick glance. You ever do, that's what I was doing. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not really that overweight. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in decent shape. I mean, I can, I can, you know, man, I go down and get the mail, and we have a long driveway, and I come back, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I didn't pass out. I got this. It's a quick glance. And church, sometimes God gives us a reflection in his word, but the problem is we take a quick, quick glance and God's wanting us to pause and God's wanting us to pay attention and God's wanting us to linger so we can look intently. That's what that word intently, it is a pause. It's, it's looking with a pause, it's paying close attention, but we just kind of brush through and go, yep, read that verse, pray, thank you, Lord, it's gonna be a great day and I'm great, you're great, God is good, I'm good, it's all good, all right, here we go. And in fact, God wants us to pause. There's a power in the pause. This reliable reflection makes us need to stop. Again, it says he looks at himself, in other words, this quick passing glance, and then moves on. Forgets what he looks like. Isn't that interesting? And, and notice what the text says, verse 24. He looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he is. So James doesn't say, you look in the mirror and you forget what's behind you, or you forget who's behind, beside you, or you, or you forget the thing on the floor, or you forget, you, he's not talking about all the distractions. He's like, you literally forget who you are. And church, can I tell you, sometimes I think as followers of Jesus Christ and a world that's collapsing and a world that's chaotic, we forget who we are. We forget that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We forget that God's given us his word and his word does not fade. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. We forget that we can come to God with our prayers and with our needs and with our praises and he never says, hey, I'm busy. I don't have time for you. Do you know what's happening over here in the world? Do you know what? I don't have to. No, we can crawl, crawl up in his lap and say, 
daddy, daddy to him. Church, I think sometimes the enemy wants us to forget who we are. He wants us to have a quick passing glance and say, oh, it's okay. Or in fact, he wants us to say, no, it's not okay. I don't know what we're going to do. There probably won't be a church 10 years from now. What are we going to do? They're taking God out of everything. And man, it's just our nation's collapsing and falling apart. Well, let me remind this church, they can't take the Holy Spirit out of us. They can't make the word of God go away. They can't take Jesus and say he's not Savior and he's not Lord and make him cease to exist. He's King of kings and he's Lord of lords. And church, we've got to stand on that and we've got to pause and look on the reflection of God's word. But I think sometimes, like those moments on family vacation that we wish we had paused a little bit longer, there's going to be moments we wish we had paused a little bit longer in God's word. There's going to be moments where we wish we had stopped for, for just a few more minutes instead of being in such a hurry. You ever had that? I know we come home from vacation sometimes. I'm like, man, why did I take that phone call? And, you know, my family's out there on the beach, and I, and, and I walk back up where I can hear good, and for an hour or for 45 minutes, I'm staying on the phone talking to someone. That could have waited. Or, or, or maybe we're, we're eating dinner, and someone calls or something happens, and, and I get distracted, or, or maybe, and I think, man, how many times have I done that with God? where he's given us this moment, you know, vacation is a pause, but some of us, we have a hard time pausing. That's me. We have a hard time stopping, but there's a power in that. So notice what he says in verse 25. There's this reliable reflection. He says, someone who looks at his own face in the mirror forgets what he's like and goes away. But notice the first part of verse 23, a hearer of the word and a doer. Got to be both. But then look at verse 25. But the one who looks, and look at the difference, intently, so verse 24 says, simply looks. It's the word for glancing past. We'll drive by, kind of take a glance. Oh, okay, yep, it's all good. But then he says, the one who looks intently, the one who peers in, the one who stops and listens and looks hard into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Oh, I love that verse. I love the contrast of stopping and looking intently. It means to peer into, to scrutinize. It's the same phrase that's found in the New Testament when it talks about the women who looked into the tomb and saw it was empty. And even stronger is when it's used when the disciples come to the empty tomb. You remember that? They, they'd been told his body's not there. Like, man, we gotta go see. We gotta kind of find some clues here. Somebody stole his body. Oh, wait, he told us he's right. Well, they forgot that part. So they get there, and the Bible says that the disciples looked, they peered intently into the empty tomb. They were trying to figure it out. They paused everything. It was like the, the air was sucked out of them, but little did they know that it was about to be the Holy Spirit that would fill them. That's the word that's used here. The one who looks intently, and look at this, into the perfect law. Now, how about you? But there, that's kind of a weird statement to me. Because it seems like a paradox because we often think of the law as giving limits, right? Like driving over here last night and then this morning, the speed limit, right? It gives a, sets a boundary, a speed limit. We think of law as being limiting, but, but he says here the perfect law, look at this, of freedom and those who persevere in it. So, so how is it that this reflection is helpful when it seems like the law gives limits, but yet he says here, true freedom comes when we look intently into the word of God? Well, the answer is in the same verse. He says, if we persevere in it, and we're not a forgetful hearer, but one who does. See, true freedom comes when we see that the reality is no matter who we are in life, no matter how good life is, 
that without the Lord Jesus Christ, there are paralyzing limits in our life. And it is, in fact, the law that lets us know that we need a Savior, a Redeemer. And it helps us understand it's by grace that we've been saved through faith, that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, so we can't boast. And so there's this, this beautiful thing that's happening in verse 25, this, this one who is paused and looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and stays in it, perseveres in it. It's not forgetful, but is a doer. And look at the last part. This person will be blessed in what he does. Blessed in what he does. Wow. Isn't that what you want? That's what I want. I want God's blessing in my life. Don't you? You want God's blessing in your life. Well, how do we get, he says right here, we pause and we look into the perfect law of God's word because the perfect law shows us that we are not perfect, but he is. The perfect law shows us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not even one, but whoever calls on the name of God will be saved. The perfect law says the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The last principle from verse 25 is remembering blesses. Remembering, pausing, looking, not forgetting. Remembering it in our head and acting it out in our life. Do you see that? He says that one will be blessed. See, let me say this, no matter how bruised and battered, regardless of the shame and the stain, our response when it's positive to the word of God, when we respond favorably and positively to the word of God, God brings redemption. He brings forgiveness. He brings hope. He brings healing to us. And that reflection that he gives is completely reliable and entirely accurate. So I want to ask you this morning, as we think about reflections, it may be that the reflection of your face, it may be that the reflection of your life, it may be that the surface reflection is inspiring. It's beautiful right now. But is it inaccurate? In other words, does it look like one thing? It's a facade. It, it looks like a smile, but behind the smile, there's brokenness. It looks like you've got it together, but yet behind it, you have no idea where it is or what it even is that you're trying to have together. Maybe today you need to give your life to Christ. Because that verse goes on to say in Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. The Bible says all of our hearts are desperately wicked, that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that we all are in need of a Savior and the grace and the mercy and the hope of God. John 1 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory of God. Then it says full of, listen to this, full of grace and truth. Isn't that interesting? Not just truth where, boom, God wants to take us out, and not just grace, oh, just do what you want to do. It's all okay, we're okay, you're okay, we're all okay. No, he's grace and truth. Those things are not enemies. They are companions. They are complementary, not contradictory to one another, grace and truth. And it may be today that you need to call on the name of the Lord because the surface looks fine, but it's an imperfect reflection. The surface looks fine, but, but below the surface, below that, that inspiring image that in fact is mistaken and is inaccurate, you know, and you know, and the Spirit of God bears witness that you are without Christ. And if you were to die today, you would not spend eternity in heaven. If God were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? You'd be like, man, I got nothing. Call upon the name of the Lord. Trust Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. Trust his perfect life to overcome 
and give you life in your imperfect life. Maybe that you're a believer and the surface looks good, but it's imperfect. It's an inspiring reflection. And maybe others even think, man, if I could just be like them. And in fact, it might be that God wants to use your brokenness and your humility to stir in someone else. Maybe this morning that you need to let James take root in your heart to not just be a hearer, but be a doer. To not just kind of be, be floating in the pool or, or laying out by the, 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 the lake or, or watching the waves come in and never getting in the water. Maybe you need to get in the water. Maybe you need to serve. Maybe you need to come along someone else and speak encouragement, speak life to them so that the reflection not only of the surface, the reflection not only of what others see, but the reflection truly of who you are in your heart that God knows and sees will be right. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word and how it speaks to us. Lord, we thank you for little Proverbs like Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. Lord, it is beautiful when we see the reflection on water. It's calming. The smiles of our kids or grandkids or our spouse or our friends. It's beautiful to see the sunrise over the ocean or to see the sunset over the lake, to hear the sound of the water splashing. But Lord, we know that below the surface is what really matters. May our heart reflect you. And we can't do that on our own. We can't be good enough. We can't be righteous enough. We can't be kind enough. We can't be compassionate enough. Lord, we need you. And I pray for my friends, Lord, today who have not trusted you as Savior and Lord, yet today would be their day of salvation. That in a moment when we stand together, they would come and say yes to you, Lord Jesus. Going below the surface, knowing that you look beyond what we see anyway. You look beyond what we even know of ourselves, and in our brokenness and in our despair, Lord, you bring hope and life and grace and forgiveness if we'll call upon your name and trust you as Savior and Lord. I pray for believers that just need to be encouraged, Lord. Maybe on the surface they look one way, but it's time to get honest with some close friends or maybe with family or with a pastor or a leader just to say, or a deacon to say, man, I need prayer. I need someone to speak life. I need someone to, to give me godly counsel in this situation, in this circumstance. Or there's some just maybe in their seat or maybe you need to come in a moment when we stand to worship and make this altar a place of saying, Lord, I want to go below the surface. I want to have more than just an imperfect reflection, Lord. I want to have truth. Lord, I want to be blessed, as James says, because I've looked intently in your word. I've paused looked, listened, I've heard it, and I'm living it. So Lord, have your way in these moments. Thank you for this precious church. Thank you for Pastor Derek and his, his leadership team here. Bless them. Bless the students this week as they're on the mission trip. Bless Brother Rogers. He celebrates 26 years of ministry. God bless fathers today. We pray these things in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Let's stand together and worship. This altar's open. God's moving your heart. You can come pray at this altar. I'll be here. You want me to take you by the hand? I'll pray with you. Do you need to give your life to Christ? You come. Do you need to come and just say, hey, I, I want to go below the surface? You come. You want to come and talk about believers' baptism? You come. You want to come join the church? You say, well, I, can I do that? The pastor's not. Man, it would bless Pastor Derek if God's moving in your family or you to come and join this church. So as we worship together, you come.